the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Vocal Booth to Go, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Today is going to be a little bit different of an episode. We have a great interview coming up with voice actress Natalie Hitzel, who will talk about her explosion, basically, in video game work and how she managed to do that at the age of 25. But before that, we'll talk about some struggles we're having in the current climate of not only voiceover, but the economy in general, with our... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. I've actually been a little busy, but like lots of auditions, but no, no bookings yet, but we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's like, I mean, it's mid-July when we're, we're recording this right now. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, agents, casting directors, they actually go on vacation too. So they can be kind of a lull during the, the end of the summer months. So even right now, as some places are opening up or some people are just going outside more often, whether or not they should is a different story. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I've just, like, I've been trying to keep things busy and between like my own VO work and my stuff through GVAA and Rekindle School, I've been pretty busy. That's um, great. You know, I've really been trying to expand my um, like my audition avenues. And this one, this week was interesting because there was like way I got like half a dozen auditions through Facebook. That rarely happens. Wow. <laughs> and, it was and a first, bump from yeah, the um, your appearance on VOBS. Great job, I, by the I way. I guess so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you. That that was cool, and it was really, it was crazy because I was just like, I had a. Uh, so for those of you who didn't know, I I was really honored and flattered to be on Voiceover Body Shop, a show that I've been like a big fan of for years because it literally, as I said on the interview, they pretty much taught me everything I know about tech, so or VO tech, and so. I admit, I had a bit of imposter syndrome, be like, oh, man, what am I going to talk about? And apparently they couldn't get me to shut up, so I had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it went but well. It, but it was, it, yeah, I, I thought it, I mean, like, I've known Dan and George for a long time. Like, uh, Dan, get, like I said in the interview, like, he gave me my first audio consult when I knew nothing about, about room noise and stuff like that. I was literally recording in a shoebox apartment with a blue Yeti and like a little Porter Booth Plus, and my refrigerator was right behind me. It was not a very good apartment setup. So, <laughs> so of course, he's like, yeah, I can hear your fridge behind you. I was like, well, shit. Like, I, after the, that session, I learned to turn that off, and it was actually harder to remember to turn it back on after that point. Don't recommend it. But, but anyways, the interview went really well, and it was great because there's been such an absurd of new talent trying to get into the business and just going about it all the wrong ways. And and so it was an opportunity to just be like, look, it takes time. It ain't easy money. Like, you really should train before you even think about buying any equipment. 
and and just be ready to invest before you get a return on that. You know,、um, someone reached out to me the other day via messenger asking for jobs, and I'm just like, you don't solicit other talent. <laughs> yeah, generally not very、um, effective. It can happen, but it's usually more organic.、Uh, people that you've yeah, worked with、exactly. for a while or, or you trust. Like like I was saying with the with the with the jobs or the opportunities through Facebook. Like first off. I mean, it's good to be part of a number of groups and get a variety of、uh, perspectives. And to like, if you have specific questions beyond what's the best mic interface, etc., for VO, then you can get some good、uh, opinions on that. But these aren't really like voice talent for the most part. Don't cast other voice talent, and they certainly don't do it before you've sort of proven yourself as knowledgeable and talented in your own right. So keep that in mind, please. And but this this week was a little bit different. So like I mean, and I, I'm on way too way too many groups. I've got like over a dozen, but it was just like from from the American Voiceovers Group, from a couple from the Voice Acting Alliance Group. Some of them were really fun, like、uh, some video game opportunities and like trying out through that through、uh, through Facebook and through Discord. Never really done Discord auditions. It's a whole new ballpark, but. That was fun. It was it was well written stuff. It was interesting characters, and hopefully something comes of it. But yeah, so kind of going all over the place. But but anyways,、um, so main points. Yes, be helpful on Facebook. Don't expect to find work, but when it comes up, just make sure you have good demos and a website to refer people to. Yeah, absolutely. So I've mentioned well to you offline, but、uh, a little bit in the intro that it's it's been a lull for me, and. I'm ashamed to say, it's the first time in really probably two years I haven't had an audiobook to do. So that's new because I've been pretty lucky, fr-、uh, frankly, with having repeat clients over the course of the last couple of years. So it's a little disconcerting to to wake up and have no work to record. But I am still getting auditions from from agents and some casting sites. And I wanted to mention one that I found. Well, I didn't find one of my agents、uh, put me on it. Is Mandy dot com? I think we've talked about them before, and、mm-hmm. early on in our careers, there there really wasn't much to speak of in voiceover. There, there was, I would find literally nothing if I did search for the the most popular keywords like voiceover or video games or commercials or e-learning. Just nothing. But they seem to have really ramped up their their marketing and and jobs because there's a lot there now. Now I will say I was lucky. And my one agency in Philadelphia, the Reinhardt Agency, provided a pro account to all their talent during the COVID crisis because they wanted us to go out and seek more jobs、uh, to work with them. Cool. So I am looking from the pro side, and under that that account, there's a lot, at least two or three potential auditions almost every day, and that that kind of surprised me. So if you are kind of struggling like I am right now with finding some opportunities, check out Mandy because. There's probably some there that you probably weren't aware were available, but again, you will have to have the, the premium account. So yeah, Mandy is one that I hadn't thought about, and one of my other pretty successful avenues for getting work over the last couple of years, the site Freelancer.com, has actually kind of gone the other way, unfortunately. Where I still have one or two clients that I work with there that are repeat clients, but it's been months since I booked a new job there, and the problem there it might be. Covid and economy related is that everybody wants to lowball for every job. I was recently、mm-hmm. quoting on a, an IVR job for it was only about fifteen seconds, probably, 
but a, a long time ago, I set a minimum there, and I know this is still not great, but I set a minimum for myself of fifty dollars for for any work whatsoever, whether it be ten seconds seconds or even five seconds, even tag for a for a commercial. And that's because a lot of the clients there are overseas and even in less developed countries like India or Pakistan or uh, Ghana. So for that, I, I set a minimum. And I, people are still arguing with me. There was a job I was just talking about with with Sean uh, offline that it was a the IVR was about 15 seconds. I pitched fifty dollars, and they said, "How about 40? And it's just like, why, why, why would you argue over ten dollars? And I know that standard of living and the value of a dollar is different in certain countries, but I just can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it shows, like, I mean, there's an awareness that, like, or the economies are different, but if you're trying to get people from a specific country, you should be semi-accommodating of what their rate structures are. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mean from, from the hiring perspective, so they should be respective of U.S. Yes, rates, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it doesn't I mean, seem to be, doesn't seem to be, or there seems to be a disconnect there, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because people who get into this business and don't really have that perspective, they've never seen the, the, the GVA rate guide or some of the other rate guides that are out there. And there's like, we're not the only one, guys. Like there, um, a lot of voice talent have personal rate cards that you can reference as well. And but but either way, you should just look at VO voiceover rate card and figure out what the baselines are. And so that way you're not getting taken advantage of because eventually you're like, oh man, sweet, I get paid 50 bucks for an hour's worth of work. And if someone asks you to do an hour's worth of audio, it's going to take you at least two or three times that to record. And if they want you to edit that, it's going to take another two or three times that. So um, very quickly you're making minimum wage or less. So really just do your due diligence and figure out what you're willing to charge for a variety of projects. And especially now, the temptation, and I'm feeling this personally, is to to undercut any rates you may have established for yourself professionally because it's a little bit it's a little bit thinner. There's a, a thinner amount of opportunities. Thinner? There's a lesser amount of opportunities mm-hmm. out there. But what you'll find is that if you hold the rates and you do get a client, then they'll be a better client for life, or at least for the foreseeable future. Because the opposite is also true, that if you accept a lower rate, that client will never, ever pay you more. And you'll be stuck doing mm-hmm. more work if you accept it for less rates. Or you'll have that uncomfortable conversation where you'll say, my rates are this. And they'll say, well, what about six months ago when it was this? And it's really hard to argue from a position of strength when you've made that concession. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing, too, is like I've actually heard talent regularly raise their rates annually. You know, as um, as cost of livings change and stuff like that, and you can just say like, "I am a better talent. Like my skills have improved, my equipment has improved, my cost of business has has gone up." So, as such, like I mean, businesses do this all the time. So it's not something that you should be afraid of. But like you said, it's better just not to set that precedent in the first place. Right. So aside from those couple of sites I mentioned where I had been pretty successful before, uh, I've been doing some general marketing outreach to to different casting sites, uh, production houses, and studios to try and see if I can get on their roster. That's been something that's been successful in the past, and now that we're recording more from home, everybody is recording more from home, I'm hoping that will be that will be helpful as well. I did get on one roster pretty early in the COVID crisis because of that that effort of reaching out to studios and saying, hey, I'm still here, I got a nice studio. So, 
think about that if you're if you're looking for ways to market your your services. Look for production houses, studios, and casting sites that may be able to add you to the roster. And and some people have reached out to me like how. I mean, things have calmed down for the most part, but like some people, especially people who are like at that, they just produce their demos, they've got some websites, or they've got a website up now. They're like, how do I reach out when people are kind of like, I don't know, they're, eh, there's an anxiety to hire new, or to test new talent. Well, you can come from a place of confidence and be like, hey, I've seen so many talent making like videos or audio files of like, hey, this is my studio sound. I'm a professional voice talent. I'm here if you need me, you know, and and just doing what they can to instill confidence in their skills and their setup. And interestingly enough, I was watching a, a podcast with some of my favorite voice actors called All Work No Play. It's it's Liam O'Brien and Sam Regal. They're both casting directors as well as voice talent. And they like they're out in LA and neither of them have like a vocal booth or anything like that and even they are struggling with having family at home and trying to find quiet times to record and like dealing with helicopters over their apartments and stuff like that so everyone's struggling to some extent and um so i think that's encouraging for talent like who don't have those things yet that you might be able to work with engineers and production houses that are a little bit more accommodating of extraneous noise not saying you shouldn't try to get rid of it but still don't let that be the thing that discourages you from reaching out to some of these these people these agents these casting directors and production houses yeah very true so one thing we're really excited about as a show is that we've been selected to partner with one voice conference america in their upcoming virtual conference to do the podcast, and that's going to be taking place Woo! on August 13th through the 16th. And I don't know about you, Sean, but after attending the, the One Voice Europe, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, my FOMO will finally be sated. I'm so <laughs> I'm really happy about that. And the lineup is, is just insane. They are, they are really going out of their way to impress. Yeah, the, the keynotes are Portia Scott and Tara Strong. Portia, who we've actually had on the show pretty recently, I think, when we had the the diversity panel on, they were actually announcing her participation in the One Voice Conference. So it was kind of ironic. I think her phone was blowing up. If you, if you heard that episode. Yeah, that's Beast. right. That's right. I think it was people congratulating Portia or reaching out to her about the One Voice Conference. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, Tara Strong doesn't really need any introduction. I mean, she's been doing cartoon voices throughout my childhood and still doing them. Um, I mean, she was Batgirl. She's on My Little Pony. Friendship is Magic. She's on Chowder. Um extreme ghostbusters so so many shows i mean she's been harley quinn in a variety of projects for dc and she's just an amazingly talented and versatile voice actress probably like definitely uh if you're on like the top five female voice talent of the 20th century she's definitely on it <laughs> yeah absolutely and then there's a lot of other old friends that are i shouldn't say old friends but eh, what the heck that are coming on <laughs> there's uh, there's j michael collins who's uh the head of uh, gravy for the brain for USA, so he's going to be there. Uh, we have Joe Cipriano, AJ McKay, Everett Oliver, Celia Siegel, Scott Brick. Uh, you know, as I'm mentioning, all the people we've interviewed before—that's not by accident. Absolutely, no. I mean, there's quite a few. It's it's pretty hilarious. Um, Christina yeah, Melissa. Uh, we, we've yeah, Christina Melissa, Christian Lance, um, lots and lots of great people. Uh, Joe Davis and Karen Barth from Voice Actor websites. Yep. Karen Guilfrey, uh, New York talent who runs um, the Vocation event with Jamie Muffet. So, so many people. Anne Ganguza, Armin Hirschstetter, Elias Pendolino. Snyder. Do, yeah. 
so many <laughs> name drop shame drop um and of course uh hugh edwards peter dixon um the coordinators of gravy for the brain uh so it's it's a huge and, and that's not even everyone that was that was barely half of all the people who are t- presenting but yep. it, it's gonna be great I'm, I'm really excited so if you want to register go to one voice that's o-n-e not the number one one voice conference.com and you can register for one voice america and make sure you sign up for the social events because by far that was the coolest part of well that was one of the coolest things of the one voice uh europe because some of them went for over 12 hours (laughs) of just virtual social networking and it was awesome well i mean because you went and i didn't unfortunately can you talk about what that experience was like Uh, well in summary it blew away all the expectations i had because as Hugh mentioned on the episode we had, a lot of people thought it was going to be basically a series of Zoom webinars, which can be can be beneficial, but it was so much more. There was the live the live question and answers with all the all the speakers, the ability to rewatch all the events even seconds after they were done, which was really cool. I, I think I mentioned in the last episode watching one on double speed, and that was really cool because I was able to get through a lot of the, the information that I'd already had experienced, but catch up on the tidbits that I missed. So that, those are available. And then the coolest thing is that every every um, ticket gets you the access to the, the, the talks in perpetuity. They're, they're not, they have no plans to turn it off. So if you miss an event because you have to go change your cat's litter box or your kids are screaming or you spill <laughs> coffee on yourself in your desk... You can go back and watch it even 20 minutes after it's done, and it's really fantastic. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm very excited about that, and thanks to Hugh Edwards for having us on. Um, really looking forward to interviewing some of the guests and the presenters. And if you are going to the conference and want to be interviewed, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, email me directly, paul at paulstefano.com. You can hit up the Facebook page for the VO Meter or send us a tweet on Twitter or direct message, and we'll, we'll get to you as quickly as we can. Cool. Well, that pretty much wraps up our VO reference levels. We have a great interview with Natalie Hitzel in just a minute, but before that, a word from our sponsors. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking, not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking, not unlike myself, and you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist, because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. 
all the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will too when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Walgreens. Because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. Our guest today is a 25-year-old voice actress specializing in gaming, animation, talking toys, and K-12 narration. Nat can be heard as Ellen in Light Matter, Psy in Rigid Force Redo, Paige in Delicious Bed and Breakfast, and several other upcoming titles. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really happy to announce our guest today, Natalie Hitzel. How are you doing, Natalie? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Really well. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Yeah, Natalie, thanks for being here. I'm excited because you live in May's Landing, which mm-hmm. is just a few miles from where my brother and parents live. They live on the Jersey Shore as well. Or how do we how, nice. how do you probably say it with the, the Philly accent, right? The Jersey Shore. That's that's how yeah. I say it. <laughs> it's a Jersey thing. And I also want to mention that you have an AFA from Cumberland County College which uh, I'm familiar with also because it's in the, the Jersey Shore area. So thanks again for being here. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. All right. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got started and to how you got to where you are now, Natalie? I have always been a gamer all of my life. I grew up watching my brother play video games, and then when I was old enough to learn how to pick up a controller, I started gaming. I knew I wanted to be involved with the development process of making a game, and uh, I just didn't know what that meant or what I would do with my life. I just knew for my entire life I wanted to make games. And then I also got into cartoons. So I one day was watching Scooby-Doo, and at the very end there was like an interview special where they interviewed the voice actors, which was Gray Delisle, uh, Matthew Lillard, and I, it like all clicked, and I was like, that's what I want to do. I just didn't know <laughs> how to get started. But... They, the first thing they talked about is how you need to know how to act. So I researched theater companies in my area. I started in community shows and stuff. And then when I went to high school, I got into the drama club. And after graduating, I found a really cool college. Uh, the professor who was in charge of the theater program had done work on Broadway. She had done stuff for film. Uh, her name is Deborah Bradshaw. And 
immediately when I went to talk to her, it clicked. She was just so cool. And to this day, we have a great relationship. She's like my theater mom. <laughs> and I took a lot of classes with her, tons of improv. I got my degree with her. And then I wasn't sure exactly what move to make next. I knew that I needed a demo. So I looked into classes at Edge Studio, which is located in New York City. And I went there for an interview. I was interviewed by Jay Snyder, who was in Pokemon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Yu-Gi-Oh. So just being interviewed with him was like next level stuff. I was I was so overwhelmed <laughs> and so scared. The whole day was like a blur. But all I knew was that I was getting interviewed by him. Uh, I started classes there. I worked with Kara Edwards, who was amazing. She was in Dragon Ball. Uh, her mm -hmm. and I made a really fun demo. And immediately when I got out of edge, I put the demo on Facebook and it had been shared so much. It got shared to a gaming group and someone was working on a game called Rigid Force Alpha. And he emailed me and said, hey, I heard your demo. We're look we just decided to incorporate a voice for this character. We think you would fit perfectly. And I booked my first job that way. <laughs> Brilliant. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I actually started with Edge as well. Uh, I didn't go to New York City, though. So you actually went in person for classes? Yes, I did. Uh, at the time, I didn't. I still didn't know too much about voiceover. I didn't know that it was something to do remotely. So uh, I was figuring if I got started my first classes, I'd have to move to New York and stuff. So And then all of a sudden, they were like, oh, open up your laptop and get a decent mic. So that's kind of how it started there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying awesome. it's a bad thing. I, I would have liked to have gone to New York City. My, my family circumstances are a little bit different. I, I started much later and had three kids at the time. Well, still have three kids. So it was a little hard <laughs> for me to go to New York City. But I also studied with Jay. And I didn't work with Kara, but Kara's become a good friend. So that's fantastic. Yeah, she, so, they're both awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned how you love doing video game work. Tell us how you go about finding that work. Is it primarily from your agents or your own marketing? When I decided that I wanted to work in video game and animation, everyone was telling me I would have to move to L.A. and I probably would not find much work in those genres. Even if I got agents, I did sign with a couple of agents that are absolutely amazing. And to this day, I'm, I'm so grateful for them and we have great relationships. I've gotten a few video game uh, auditions through them as well as talking toys and they have been wonderful i'd say 90 percent of the work that i get i book on my own it's from marketing social media is really important i think for especially the gaming and animation industry and not just voice actors for everyone who works on that stuff uh, the developers the artists the sound engineers so linkedin obviously is the best twitter even facebook groups i would say most of the games that I've booked have been accidental through sharing something and the right person hearing it at the right time. And social media is kind of all about that. People getting a hold of things and seeing things and hearing things and sharing things. There are there's also a site that I use called Game Dev Map. It's you it's like a big map of the world and you click on whatever state you want to work on for that day. It comes up, it shows all the game studios in that area and you just kind of go down the list, uh, send them a friendly email. I never send emails immediately saying, hey, I love the work you do. By the way, uh, here's my demo. <laughs> it's just, especially I think with younger people, which a lot of game developers are younger people now, they're very turned off by uh, anything remotely sounding like you're trying to sell something to, to them. 
and I, that's evident in commercials today too. Everything's conversational and relaxed. Uh, the big selly commercials, I think, they don't really market to younger people. So with the game dev people, I just keep in touch with them. I tell them I enjoy what they're doing. Uh, a lot of times I've played their games, so I say, oh, I love this about this game. And I keep in touch with them, build relationships. LinkedIn is great for that because they can see what you do without you having to push it in their face. Uh, that's how I've booked a lot of work. My email, even though I don't say, hey, I'm a voice actress, by the way, here's my demo. My signature is my name and what I do, and then a link to my website is underneath. So if they're interested, if they see that, if that is something that catches their eye, because maybe they're looking for a voice actor, they'll click on it. If not, they just, maybe they'll bookmark it for later, or they don't really say anything about it, and that's fine too. It's just nice to keep in touch with them and compliment them. <laughs> The website's also, great, by the way. Uh, I should mention it's done by voice actor websites, who just happen to be a sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Shame They're <drop>. awesome. <laughs> uh, they I want to follow up quickly. Too. Yeah, I, I, I realize that. Um, <laughs> I want to follow up quickly on finding your own work, seeing how I know exactly where you live, not that I'm stalking you, but I've driven through your town several times. <laughs> Do you have any trouble finding work in the genres you like to work in from your little nook of New Jersey? Um, I do think my zip code definitely limits me a little bit, just as it would limit everyone. If I'm in New York or L.A., I would definitely be taking advantage of my zip code. But it hasn't been to the point where I feel like I need to move to L.A. next year. Uh, Texas, like I said, is definitely a consideration. The cost of living is amazing, and the opportunities like the anime studios and video game studios there are really awesome. I'm Obviously, if I'm here in New Jersey, I'm not going to have the best luck booking with Nintendo unless I go through a third party or an agent. That's something that would probably you would probably be need to you would probably need to be in LA or New York to do. But there are hundreds and thousands of people opening up independent game studios. Uh, some of them leave the bigger companies because they see what it's like to be in charge of that game and to bring that to life and they want to do that so they leave and they open up their own game studio and most of them are really successful. Uh, everyone nowadays plays video games. All the people who were the youngest when video games were first becoming popular, they're all growing up, but they're growing up with the games. They're not going to stop playing them. I think as time goes on, I mean, I'm in my early 20s. I'm completely sure that when I'm in my 40s or 50s, I'm still going to be playing video games. Uh, I don't see why not, as long as it's done in a healthy way. <laughs> Uh, I still play. I'm in my 40s, almost 50. Yeah, that I think that's awesome. But yeah, I don't think that it's impossible to wherever you are. It's not impossible to do it. It's it requires a little more legwork, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's so encouraging to hear that because I know a lot of people kind of. Well, I mean, first off, so many marketing nuggets there. I mean, a lot of people kind of approach it from a sense of desperation and be like, please hire me. And we can talk more yeah. about that in a minute. But yeah, I just love how creatively you think outside the box and just be like, don't really feel limited by your location. But um, so we mentioned some of your roles in your intro, but I'm curious what kind of characters you like to play or what kind of roles or archetypes that you feel that you excel in. The first character that I ever booked was an AI role. And one of the first AI roles I was ever introduced to as a kid was Cortana in the Halo series. Nice. Yeah. And 
as soon as I realized I wanted to do voiceover, an AI role was like the first thing I wanted to book. I was like, that's just so cool. And it's like eerie and techie. I love technology. So when I, that was the first role I booked. So that was extremely exciting. And to this day, I think I'm always going to be excited every, anytime I book an AI role. After I booked that first role, there were, I think work begets work. And a lot of people who played the game and heard the trailer and were who were also game developers the, so they were the kind of people that reached out to me and said oh I have an AI in this game that we're still looking for a voice for would you like to audition and sometimes I booked and sometimes I didn't but I thought that was really exciting and really interesting that uh that one AI role kind of led to so many more AI roles <laughs> <laughs> and uh there I mean I think I'd be down to play any character that I had the chance to play. Uh, I love like the young soldier archetype. I love creatures. Uh, in a game I recently finished working on, I played all the female zombies, and it's you'd think it was just like growling and grunting, but like each zombie is shaped differently, so the sound they make is going to be a little different. Each zombie moves at a different speed or attacks people in a different way, and so it was really fun just kind of improving and coming up with how I th- thought they would sound. And the game developers that were in the session with me seemed like all for it and they were really chill. So it was a lot of fun. Very cool. All right. Well, speaking about some of those creature sounds and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I mean, you obviously know that games can be some of the most physically and emotionally taxing projects you can do in voiceover. So what kind of skills or experiences do you feel like have helped you in your work and that you kind of bring to the table and how exactly do you prepare for a role or a recording session? Um, first and foremost, any improv class you can take is just invaluable. Any acting classes you can get a hold of, any plays you can work on, even as a child or right now, even if you're at the pinnacle of your career, uh, it's there's not enough acting classes to take in the world. As far as far as getting into a role, I I've never really had like a legit like one path I followed. It or one legit system. It's I read the script, I look at the character, I do some research I'll t- research on the game studio, play, try to play some of their other games or listen to trailers. And by that time, it usually just for me all clicks and then I figure out what I want the character to sound like. I, by that time I know. And I send them a sample. If they like it, uh, we I continue with the script. If they don't, we... Or if they say they want... They were like, okay, cool, let's... But let me hear what it would sound like if you did this to it. Like we kind of tweak it and talk about it. That's pretty much it. I've never had like a one thing that I do for every character other than like vocal warm-ups and stuff because it can be really taxing on your throat. Uh, I drink a lot, a lot of water. I have like a big pack of water bottles in my closet (laughs) and I've had (laughs) friends come over and they open my closet and they're like, well, I thought clothes were supposed to be here, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Hydration is important. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially for like creature roles, a lot of growling and snarling and stuff. Lots of lost saliva. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're just a natural at it, which is uh, in addition to the, the training you've done. So that's, that's fantastic oh, that you're able you. to pull that off. So speaking thank of you. being physically and emotionally taxing, I want to talk about some challenges you've overcome because I know from our personal interaction that you have actually had an issue with some hearing loss. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you've overcome that challenge to get into the voiceover field? Absolutely. Um, I was born with enlarged cochlear aqueducts, so 
they're almost like everybody has these tubes in their ears that allow a certain amount of sound in. Mine were too big, so they allowed too much sound in, and that damaged my hearing at a very young age. I had the surgery. My ears were pretty much okay. I kind of dealt with it. I wore hearing aids until I think about the end of grade school, beginning of middle school. And at that time, I was entering my preteen years, and I was just too cool to wear anything. So I refused. (laughs) I'd say I graduated high school, and I think it was my first year of college. I was getting up on Thanksgiving morning, and I heard this really weird ringing in my left ear. And... I just kept saying to everybody, it's not stopping, it's ringing. And every, and my brother was like, oh, we all hear ringing. And then when it stopped ringing, there was nothing in my left ear. My ear was completely deaf. Uh, I went to every doctor in my state. I went to Philly, New York. I might have even gone to Chicago. <laughs> I went everywhere to try to, to, every doctor to try to figure out what happened. And a doctor in Philly said that it's something called sudden sensorial hearing loss. 90% of the time it happens in one ear, and 90% of the time there's not a cause for it. They don't. They still don't know why it happens. Unless you were in a car accident or you hit your head or you were at like a, a rave concert or something and there was too much noise and it damaged your hearing, they don't know They usually don't know what it is. It could be like an infection. Uh, You had a cold that weekend and you sneezed too hard. It's it's insane. But uh, it definitely sucks. But and I took a it took a long time for me to uh, get over it. I was very I was like angry at the world for a while. I was frustrated because I didn't know why it happened. And I was also annoyed because I spent my whole life dealing with hearing problems and I was just starting to overcome it when that happened. As far as uh, dealing with it in voiceover, obviously, like when I wear headphones, everything has to be coming out of one side. There have been times with sound engineers we had to make adjustments so that everything came out of my the right headphone. Uh, it hasn't. It really, personally, at least for me, it really hasn't affected me in a way that hindered my work or what I did. Uh, in everyday life, obviously, it affects me a little bit. Everything sounds like it's coming from my right ear, so I don't have any perception of direction uh, as far as sound goes. So I have to be careful when like crossing a street and stuff because all cars sound like they're coming from my right side. There are times when I get dizzy spells just because my equilibrium is off now. But yeah, as far as voiceover, it hasn't done much to hinder me, which I'm extremely grateful for. And I'm extremely grateful that one ear still works. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, most of the things we do are are in mono, which is, I guess, sort of a blessing. Definitely. Well, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you're still able to, or that it hasn't affected your work too much. Speaking about that, you mentioned being into tech, and Paul and I certainly are unabashed about our love of tech. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about your home studio setup. Um, I started with a Blue Yeti, which at that time I had no idea uh, how good or bad that mic was. And when I graduated Edge and decided to get a professional studio, uh, the audio engineer at Edge helped me out a lot. I have the Steinberg UR22 as my interface. Uh, I have the Sennheiser MK4 microphone, which is XLR, and I love it. It's very affordable, and I think it sounds great for the price I got. Uh, my brother is builds computers, so he built me a custom-built computer that has an incredible uh, audio system. It's extremely fast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm... I couldn't have been happier with my computer, and I'm really lucky that I have a brother who has that uh, level of skill and technology. 
I have a gaming laptop and I keep telling my brother when it goes, I'm going to uh, start playing games on this computer. And he just <laughs> looks at me like, no, <laughs> but yeah. How about the booth or your recording space? Um, I found on eBay uh, huge uh, foam panels and I had them delivered. My aunt and I uh, worked on Velcroing them together and I kind of just formed my own cubby. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's the size of a small closet. I like fit in here with all my stuff. I was afraid that I would feel like I was suffocated in here, but it's like from the outside, it looks small and the inside, it looks really big. Like I can reach my arms straight out and can't touch the walls although i just touched one (laughs) but yeah it's pretty nice it sounds great thank you yeah definitely and don't feel too bad i mean uh truth be told the yeti will actually know the snowball was my very first mic because i mean i know i think it happens to all of us just because blue had the best marketing at the time Uh but i mean the yeti for what it is i know plenty of talent who still use it i just think my issue is more with the size and the shape than anything else like the sound is okay but, uh, but yeah, the MK4 was actually my first XLR mic, and that is a fantastic entry-level mic for anyone who's looking, especially if you can get it for $100 off like I happen to. But, uh-huh. but yeah, that's I'd awesome. use both, too, obviously. I've used every freaking mic, but, yeah. <laughs> Between the two of us, yeah. Sean and I, you may know some of these people, too, but Sean and I know one actor who's voiced a Marvel character on a Blue Yeti, Blue Yeti Pro, and an audiobook narrator who narrated over a thousand books on a Blue Yeti. So it still oh it still works. That's awesome. So we talked about your ex how you excel in video games and character work. And recently you've done some posting about your struggles breaking into other genres like e learning. Would you mind sharing some of those challenges? Absolutely. I've figured out really quickly that younger voices usually aren't marketable in corporate narration. Um, I've booked a few explainer videos, which have been really fun, and I've done some local commercial work. I booked one awesome national spot thanks to Mr. J. Michael Collins. And uh, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know also a sponsor is. of the Hashtag Hashtag podcast. Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and like to this day, I share the commercial all the time just because I'm so grateful to him, and it just felt so cool to work with someone who's worked with him because he's just incredible. (laughs) As far as I've seen, a lot of the commercial auditions that are coming through are for maybe at the brink of late 20s, but usually 30 and up. And sometimes I don't even think I sound like I'm 25. I think I sound like I'm late teens, maybe early 20s. Usually 21 is what people say I sound like from hearing my voice. And I know the commercial market changes constantly. And I think the the 30 to 40 or to 50 year old age range, which is I, what I see booking in commercial, just sounds so cool. And I can't wait till I like hit that age. <laughs> Although I'm enjoying my 20s, I can't wait till I like get a little older and can uh, can uh, book that kind of work because they sound so cool. <laughs> no, I feel that too. I, I'd say my voice range is like 14 to 30. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. You've got a really this- awesome voice. Ah, shucks. <laughs> um, but nobody wants an over-articulate 14-year-old, apparently. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing that. One of the ways that I found out about you is that you're also one of the moderators for the Voice Acting Alliance Facebook group. So tell yes. us a little bit about that experience, some of the joys, some of the frustrations, all that stuff. Oh. But when I first joined the group, I was, like, asking all the questions in the world. I was, I think, probably, like, my 
last year in college because I knew what I wanted to do. So I saw this group and I was like, oh, that would be so cool to get some info and meet people. Uh, the community is awesome. The people there are super nice. Uh, the moderators and admins the pe- and the people in charge of the group are super cool. I talk to them every day through group chat. Obviously, everyone I've met there, I've met a lot of, I think I met most, like all of you guys there. And at least through that group, because I connected with people who were going to VO Atlanta, and that's how I went to VO Atlanta. There are times, we do find, unfortunately, a lot of younger people who are starting out are so desperate to immediately offer their services for free. And even though it's not really my business, I guess, what other people do, I but I just want to see people get paid for their work. And VoiceOver, even though it's fun and it can be glamorous, it's hard work. And mm-hmm. we want to... I'm sure you guys agree completely. We always want to, we want, we want an industry that we can always work in and that will always be safe and, and will always be making money. And, and, uh, so that's something I've noticed about the group. A lot of younger people who aren't really familiar yet with rules or the industry. Uh, usually what I do is I send them a really polite email and I send them a copy of the GVAA rate guide or something similar. And thank also you sponsor so the much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a perfect guide, especially for people just starting out to really familiarize themselves. When they see that guide, they're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that those were the rates and stuff. Like some of the rates are that people think that they should be charging are just bad. Yeah, they just have no <laughs> reference point. And and yeah. one of the things I love, like, I was just impressed with how diplomatic you moderate that group. And it's <laughs> like in, and in a lot of the other groups, it can be. Like, I know that that particular group is a little bit different in the audience that goes to it. Um, but, like, some of the, the more seasoned groups, it, people, they just get tired of hearing the same questions over and over again. And when people, and they can kind of be a little reactive when someone comes in without any prior knowledge and starts giving their work away without any yeah. prior experience or training like that. But I love your um, your approach to be encouraging but just be like hey just so you're aware that this is like you're, you're really selling yourself short and if you want to pursue it here's some things that you should do but luckily mm-hmm. now you have a wonderful interview that you can just show people and be like hey <laughs> this is what i did and it seems to be working pretty well for me so just do that <laughs> yeah absolutely it seems to me in that group more than anything it's a lack of awareness that definitely even when someone like you comes in and offers advice people don't necessarily look you up or yeah, no. t- tend to think that you know what you're talking about where they really should be taking advice from people like you or I dipped my toe in there a little bit and immediately had to just run away be- before I started screaming because I could not take oh, yeah. some of the responses that just seemed almost... Um, Mad nails on chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just people taking offense to things that were really trying to be offered as advice. Yeah. And there's no reason as moderators for us to be abusive. I mean, obviously, I would never want to be abusive, but there's no reason to immediately come at the person with anger or frustration in our tones because a lot of them honestly and seriously do not know. But I have found, I think, we're all artists in a way, and I think that a lot of people can be sensitive as artists, and I found that uh, unless you approach it very calmly and kind of relate to them and talk to them and say, hey, I've been where you are. Not that that's a bad thing where they are. I didn't mean it like that. Hey, I've, I understand what it's like. You have tons of questions. Just try to keep in mind that we all want to be paid fairly and you deserve to be paid fairly. If you don't come at it 
from that angle, they I think they do feel that they're being attacked. So the the responses can be a bit uh they, confrontational they is the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go, confrontation. That, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I understand completely because so many people, like, this is their dream. This is what they've wanted to do either uh-huh. for for a couple of months or a couple of years or many years. And so it, it can be really close to the vest. But in some, like you said, some things that might come naturally or or might seem obvious to people who've been doing it for a while, people who have no prior exposure to it, it's all new to them. And so it's... It is a balancing act, but but I find that the biggest issue people have is that so often it is the lack of patience, right? Yeah. They want to be doing it as quickly as possible, and they, they ask about how to get jobs before they have any training, they have any home studio set up or anything like that, and it's just like, I mean, everyone's path is different, but there's really like three essential steps you have to follow in order to do that, and that's training, equipment, and marketing, and you can't really sidestep those. Yeah, you really can't. And I want to jump uh, on with something about that too. I don't. I think if you're a sound engineer and you know what you're doing, making demos may not be a bad idea. But a lot of them make their own demos with their Yeti that they have in their closet or their phone or their iPad mic. And I've said very kindly, "Hey, your skills are great. It's. I think you can really gain a lot from classes, and you'll do well." But this is not professional audio equipment. This is something that was recorded by an iPhone. And if you try to send this out, you're going to get blacklisted. And I found that that is something that a lot of times people have taken offense to because they just don't have the funds at the time to pursue a, fresh, a professional demo producer. And mm-hmm. that's completely understandable. But at the same time, I think it's always good to be honest with them and let them know because sending those kind of... The, unfortunately, if you go to YouTube, it's just filled with demos that have great potential and the voice actors are so good, but the audio the audio is just bad. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because like you're saying, they, they really are shooting themselves in the foot. And then yeah. there's this level of professional expectation. And if for no other reason, your competition is doing this. They have done this already. And... When a caster or a director or an agent is trying to compare your audition or your submission versus 50 or 200 other entries, audio quality is one of the first things they're going to use against you. Yeah. So, again, please, like, I mean, we've all been there. We've all had, like, voice acting is definitely a job that you need to have another job to get into, I think. So, because it, it is an investment and it's not as much as, say, starting at, like, a restaurant or anything like that, but it can seem cost prohibitive to a lot of people at the time and and they they do want that like that return on investment immediately and it just doesn't work that way you have to yeah. invest for the potential to get a return yeah well, that's what i found leads to our last question and we may as well just jump to it we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about making your own demo and how that's a bad idea but as someone who is really starting to hit their stride natalie what's some advice you'd give to an aspiring talent just starting out Usually when they ask for advice, just starting out, the first thing I say is, uh, have you taken any improv classes? Acting classes in general are amazing, but improv, especially for for the fact that in voiceover, 90% of the time you're not memorizing anything, you're and you're recording something and you're reading the script for the first time, that's so much of what improv is. Things being thrown at you and you expecting to bring something to life or react to it authentically and... You can never take enough improv classes. And 
going back to my professor, Miss Bradshaw, she had the most incredible improv classes and we would all be have tears in our eyes laughing so hard. It's just so much fun. There's no reason not to take an improv class. Obviously, right now, things are uh, a little iffy, but... There's online ones. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just being around those people interacting with those other actors, it's almost always ends in laughter. It's so much fun. The stuff that you guys... And you don't, as a person, you don't know how creative you are sometimes until you take an improv class because you explore so much of your own mind. You're kind of forced to put yourself out there. And the stuff that you come up with on a whim is hilarious. And every person has it in them to take an improv class and gain something from it, no matter what level they are. So definitely that's the first thing I ask is, have you taken an improv class? There are times when you go into a video game session with a script that you already have and everything's set in stone in your mind, and that's like, okay, I get what they ask of me. And then they come in, and they you finish your session, and they say, that's cool. You know what? We're going to have you read for this character, too. And you need to know how to be like, oh, okay, cool, instead of like, oh, oh my God, oh, my God, I, I didn't even read the script. Like, you need to know how to <laughs> say, okay, cool. Oh, that's a that that's a gremlin? What, what would I sound like? Okay, what is he feeling? What's his goal? That kind of thing. Like, you just need to bring that, know how to bring that out immediately. <laughs> Awesome. And I love how jazzed and, and passionate and optimistic you're about it, because a lot of people are terrified of improv. And it's yeah. really, there's nothing scared to be, like, the whole point is you're going to fall on your face, but everyone's not going to make fun of you. They're just going to, like, rise you up after that, and you're going to find something else to be funny about. So that's that's very awesome yeah, Every other person who comes into those classes is just as nervous as you are. And that's what makes it fun, because everybody's adrenaline is going, and that's really... It's almost like drinking coffee. When I drink like a big cup of Wawa coffee, that's when I'm like ready to type because my fingers just don't want to stop. And that's when when I'm ready to send emails and contact people. It's the same as uh, improv. Your adrenaline is going. That's like the best time. And it's good to be nervous. Obviously, you don't want to have an anxiety attack. Don't stress yourself out that much. I mean, I can't just Mm. tell people not to do that. It's a human thing, but it's good to be nervous. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast, Natalie. Is uh, What's the best way to get a hold of you if you want to get hired for projects or if people want to reach out to you with questions? Um, well, Karen Barth made me an amazing website. I'm super proud of it. It's just nataliehitzel.com. Uh, my four demos are right at the top, my contact info. And for those voice actors who want to make a website, I recommend you check out my website and look at the stuff that Karen does and the stuff that her team does because they're incredible. That's voiceactorwestways.com, sponsor of the VOE podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, LinkedIn is also a great place to contact me. I'm always active on there. Even if you just want to have a conversation, if you're another voice actor, I would love to just chat with anybody on LinkedIn or Twitter, any, anything. <laughs> and that's all Natalie Hitzel. Natalie, thanks so much for being here. I love that you ended almost ended by mentioning Wawa because half our audience don't know what the heck that is, but I know what it is, and I miss it. We only have a few down here in Maryland. But we, we're so happy it. to have you here, and uh, fantastic job. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, Sean, what's a vocal booth? Uh, it's an acoustically treated space to record voiceover, sing, or practice music. Okay, so then what's a vocal booth to go? An acoustically treated space to eat a cheeseburger and fries? No, of course not. 
Volgabluth Go's patented acoustic blankets, noise mitigation products, and portable booths are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. They're often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. Oh, I have it now. Actually, I've always had it. I've used Vocalbooth to gos products for years, and I can't recommend them enough. Vocalbooth to go We make your environment quieter for less. So thanks again to Natalie for coming on the show. I met her two years ago, I think, at View Atlanta. Had no idea who she was. Basically, just cool person to talk to at one of the social events. And then seems like she's just blown up, and I'm so happy for her. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the progress that she's made for herself is just astounding. Like, like I said, I mean, she just, just seems like a really bright young kid and just very uh, determined and persistent. And she just, and I'm just so happy because she really went about things the right way, if there is one. And so, I mean, she just deserves all the success she gets. Yeah, just listening to her recap her her start in the industry, it's it's really all the right steps, and she's to be congratulated for that. So coming up, we have an interview with Brad Highland, another talent who I met at that same VO Atlanta, who just happens to live in the same state. He's going to talk about how he transitioned from a career in landscaping to voiceover, and he similarly has had a huge meteoric rise in the last couple of years, so I'm excited to talk to him. you have anything you want to promote? One thing that I forgot to mention during the current events portion was that we've been doing a number of great webinars through GVAA. And they've all been based on DAWs, Digital Audio Workstations, the audio software that we use that turns your those lovely dulcet tones into ones and zeros. So whether you've worked on Audacity, Twisted Wave, Reaper, and this week, uh, this Thursday on the 23rd, we're working on Adobe Audition with a uh, good friend, Uncle Roy Yokelson. So uh, whether you want to watch a recording of one of the previous webinars or you want to attend live to have your questions answered, but that's an option. So definitely check out the Global Voice Academy website in the class, or excuse me, the uh, recorded and live webinars sections, and see if you can uh, get to know your DAW just a little bit better. Very cool. And you may have noticed we did not do a questionable gear purchase this episode. We're trying to penny pinch a little bit in the in the tough economy everybody's experiencing. But if you have a questionable gear purchase you'd like to talk about, please let us know. You can make a comment on our Facebook page, send us a tweet. Or send an email to either Sean or I personally, and we'll get it on the show. That's right. It's not like we don't want to buy more gear. It's just, <laughs> heaven forbid, we are, we're happy with our setups, and they, they seem to be working for us. So like Paul said, you can reach out to us on the VO Meter Facebook page. You can send me an email at Sean, S-E-A-N, at daily, as in everyday, VO.com, and, uh, or Paul at paulstefano.com. But for now, that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. Talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. 